welcome back. We're back. <laughs> welcome to Please Bless This Podcast, the podcast where two sisters talk about all things Mormon and pop culture. And whatever I'm, else. And whatever else comes <laughs> up. Uh, yeah. I'm Elisa. I'm Katie. And Katie, what are we talking about today? We are delighted to talk about uh, Pride and Prejudice, a Latter-day comedy. Yes. I actually, I'm glad we're talking about this this week because I feel like we've had some really heavy content. Yeah. <laughs> back to back to back. Yeah. And this is so light and frothy and silly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. A timely little Lizzie McGuire moment for our yes. show. Yeah. 100%. For those who have not had the pleasure of seeing the 2003 classic <laughs> Pride and Prejudice, a Latter-day comedy, it is what it sounds like. Um, <laughs> it is a slightly Mormon slanted adaptation of Pride and Prejudice, the Jane Austen classic. And man, do they ever just knock it out of the park. Yes. So <laughs> written and directed by uh graduates of the BYU film school who had the idea apparently while they were BYU students um and the question of like what if Pride and Prejudice was set among BYU students there is like a little bit there that's like yeah this makes sense right yeah like um just like Regency era England <laughs> BYU students are very preoccupied about marriage yeah there are some weird gender dynamics going on mm -hmm. yeah a lot of mr collins is running around mm -hmm. you know a lot of repression yeah <laughs> yeah yeah a lot of 20 something year old women walking around i'm a burden to my family mm -hmm. you know yes i have no prospects yes i'm 23 <laughs> i'm frightened <laughs> so like not the worst idea for a movie ever. No. Um, <clears throat> so like you said, Katie, released in 2003 in theaters. I saw it in theaters. Wow. I feel like that is a real distinction. That's incredible. Um, I was a BYU student when this came out. I was the target audience for this film. I was yeah. an English major at BYU who loved Jane Austen, loved Pride and Prejudice specifically. I, I maybe saw this movie in theaters twice. Wow. <laughs> yeah i mean i know we bought it on dvd i'm sure you came home from school with it or mm -hmm. or you were like you guys have to buy this and we watched it over and over yep we sure yeah. did um <clears throat> so one thing i dug into a little bit after re-watching this this week i was just kind of thinking about like how a movie like this would get funded and made mm-hmm and um so i think it's worth giving a little context about the early 2000s boom of mormon films yeah please it was a zeitgeist yes there was just this little mormon renaissance going on mm -hmm. in the early 2000s so it really kind of starts with god's army mm. do you remember god's army mm -hmm. another movie we saw in theaters yeah, um, I should say, I feel like we should be watching these in order now. Oh, I know. We, Maybe from we, this point, we should. <clears throat> yeah, we need to back up and get to God's Army because 
it started something for sure. Yeah. I was still in high school when God's Army came out. And I remember we were, we lived in Washington. So we're not even in like the heart of Mormondom and it's playing in movie theaters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's made, it's about Mormon missionaries. It's like directed by unstarring active Mormons. And the church was like, you should go to this movie. Yes. Like, I feel like they talked about it like over the pulpit on Sunday. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. I feel like there were, I almost want to remember there being like a church activity where we watched it. Mm-hmm. No, that sounds right to me. Yeah. It was, <clears throat> and it was always couched in like, these kinds of artifacts are going to make Mormonism more accessible to people. They're missionary tools. So like you as members should go to them, but take your friends and Mm -hmm. they'll all be like, see, Mormons are cool. There are movies about them. Yeah. Watch these missionaries performing miracles. Yes. You know, Ah. so God's army comes out in 2000 and is like a sort of unexpected success. I actually looked it up. The budget was $300,000 and they ended up making uh, almost 3 million in at the box office. Wow. So that starts this real like, um, interest in, I think creating and funding LDS movies. Cause there's this sense that there's an audience, there's money to be made here. Mm-hmm. Um, so Excel entertainment group springs up. They distributed God's army. They distributed um, pride and prejudice mm-hmm. and they have distributed lots and lots and lots and continue to distribute lots and lots and lots of um, if not overtly Mormon films, m- films with Mormon values. Yeah. And um, Excel Entertainment Group is now owned by Deseret Book Company, which means they're owned by the church. Yes. So they're pumping out movies that are tailored for audiences. So um, in 2001, we get uh, The Other Side of Heaven. Now, this is uh, a different level of film. It's based on a book written by a general authority. It, um, I think was like produced by Disney. I mean, it has some affiliation with Disney and Hathaway is in it. She sure is. I mean, they spent millions of dollars on that movie. That's a high budge movie. Yes. And I remember again, I'm at BYU. It's 2001 president Hinckley, the prophet at the time and John Groberg, whose life inspired the other side of heaven come to BYU, do a devotional and are like this movie is a big deal. You all need to go and you all need to share the gospel through this movie. Mm -hmm. Interesting fact, that movie lost a ton of money Mm. in the box office, partly because the budget was so big. Yeah. Like it, it's, it made millions of dollars, but the budget was big. Yeah. So this is all going on just within a couple of years. We also have Hailstorm Entertainment opening up, which is another LDS production and distribution company. And they're the ones making things like the singles war, the RM, the best two years, the Kirby Hayborn uh, renaissance. Yeah. 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 Kirby Hayborn, an icon of Mormon pop culture. Absolutely. So um, Hailstorm actually, it turns out has dissolved Um, Mm -hmm. and their library is owned also by Desert Book. So by the church. Yeah. All right. So um, another sort of interesting moment in this early 2000s wave is 
Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah. So that comes out in 2004. It's not distributed by any of these LDS companies because it gets like picked up at Sundance and has a wider release. And it makes a ton of money, more than yeah. any of these other movies combined. Yeah. Right. Because um, it's not weirdly Mormon. Though it I is mean, a little Mormon. If you're Mormon, you know that it's You Mormon. know. Like um, the thing I remember about it is that napoleon is wearing a rick's college Mm t-shirt at some point in the show and i was like wait a minute wait a minute is this (laughs) and also i'm still at byu in 2004 and the cast is doing all of these events promotional events on campus because they're all from byu yeah elisa you were a part of the golden (laughs) age i was at byu at this like little i might as well been there when you know like michelangelo was painting the sistine chapel (laughs) might as well yeah exactly so this movie comes out during this like mormon filmmaking heyday and it basically flops so they barely break even at the box office barely and then um they decide to release the film on DVD and to edit it to remove some of the more overt Mormon references mm-hmm. in an attempt to like appeal to a broader audience. Right. Cowards. But they don't remove enough that it's not still super weird if you don't yeah. know that it's a Mormon movie. Right. You're like, why are all these people like so religious? But, yeah. Like we're not really talking about it. Right. And then we're in church all of a sudden. We're in the church all of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And that's what I think is so funny about watching it today. Like I watched it on Peacock. Mm -hmm. And when you open the Peacock app, it's like front and center, just listed as like a comedy. The title is just Pride and Prejudice. They've removed Mm -hmm. a Latter-day comedy from the title. The description gives no indication that it's set in Utah, that it's about Mormons, anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just like, it's a, it's a Jane Austen adaptation. Yeah. Give it a watch. And unsurprisingly, the like percentage satisfaction score or whatever that you see on Peacock is pretty low. <laughs> it's dismal. Because you know people are watching this and being like, wait, what is this? Yeah, for sure. And just like the first... I don't know, 10 minutes alone are so strange and clearly so low budget. Like if Mm -hmm. I were to turn that movie on, no context, I would just turn it off after a few minutes. I'd be like, this is weird. Yes. This is a weird movie. Yes. You're immediately launched into like a ward party scenario Mm -hmm. where Collins is literally reading from an Enzyme magazine. But you don't, there's no context for it. Right. He's talking about pioneer treks out of context. Right. People would be like, what? I checked to the description of the movie on like Amazon Prime. Same thing. No mention of That's where I watched it. It doesn't really not say a Latter-day comedy. Nope. That is so bizarre. We should double check. Well, yeah, because that's where I watched it. And I want to say that it did say that because that's how I searched it. <clears throat> it just says Pride and Prejudice. What on earth? And what's the description on Prime? Jane Austen's classic is transplanted to a modern day 
or to modern day. While her college roommates search for love, aspiring writer Elizabeth Bennett focuses on her career, but constantly finds herself fighting haughty businessman Will Darcy. Okay. No. They are baiting and switching people with this movie. Well, it does say a Latter-day comedy in the picture. Oh, does it? Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. The bait yeah. and switch, for sure. I read some reviews on Amazon and people were like, what am I watching? And um, someone was just like, it's about freaky Mormons, run! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Seriously. It's like, you know, it's pretty iconic Y2K core. Mm-hmm. You know, if you grow up Mormon, you know, during that time, it's pretty like, prepare to be a little bit triggered and (laughs) a little bit delighted i loved the um the like copyright free like pop music that they play throughout Mm -hmm. that's like very yeah i went to a concert on um university ave in provo for a singer whose song is very prominently featured in the Pride and Prejudice soundtrack. And it was like this beautiful crossover for me mm. as the target audience for yeah. this film. I was like, oh my gosh, I know this song from Pride and Prejudice. Wow. You really experienced it. Yeah. Ask me anything. I was there. <laughs> <laughs> So I thought it'd be interesting to call out a few of the things I remember from the theatrical release that are missing when you watch it on DVD or streaming today. Please. Some are small, some are big. One, Collins, he um, calls Elizabeth Sister Bennett Mm. in the theatrical release, but not in in the streaming version. He calls her Ms. Bennett, but he's still reading to her out of the ensign. And saying, like, don't hide your light under a bushel and, like, yeah. talking about her in a talk over the pulpit. So what's, why? What does that get us? Just removing a little detail like that. Right. You can yeah. still tell they're Mormon. Right. And he doesn't, like, name the Enzyme as a magazine he's reading from. He just says a magazine. But then later, he specifically references the church news and a pioneer track. So like, again, we're removing a little, but not enough in the original version. The backstory for Bingley and Darcy being friends is that Bingley either meets Darcy on his mission or baptizes him on his mission. Mm. And I remember that because in the version that comes later, they, there's this conversation between Jane and Elizabeth where Jane's like, yeah, they met on a business trip. Yeah. And Elizabeth says, oh, uh, Bingley went to England? Mm-hmm. And she's like, no, California. So he went to California on his mission and baptized Darcy. And now they're best friends. And then uh, the captions. So the captions on Peacock had some of the original theatrical release language that's been removed still showing up, which was Yikes. super trippy. Yeah. So the scene where... Darcy is explaining to Elizabeth in an email why he hates Jack Wickham. And it's because Jack Wickham 
tricked Darcy's sister into getting married in Vegas. And one of the reasons he used to convince her, like, let's just go to Vegas and get married rather than waiting and getting married in the temple is according to the captions that he was waiting for his temple divorce to go through. Mm. And that is left out of yeah. this watered down version. It's so watered down. But it sure it's does like, add to like the villainy of Wickham that we're bringing in temple divorce stuff. Yeah, I thought it was really funny. Like the first moment you're introduced to Wickham, Colin says he doesn't even go to church. Mm-hmm. So, oh, Mr. Wickham, who does not go to church. Okay. Right. Yeah. yeah. Got it. Got it. Bad guy. He's going to be a bad guy. And I'm sure there are lots of other things, small details that were changed, but those were the ones that for whatever reason have stuck in my head for almost 20 years. <laughs> I'm I like, could wait, not believe. Being Lee baptized, Darcy, why is that gone? <laughs> I couldn't believe, because like before I sat down and watched this, I was like, I really have barely any recollection of this movie. Mm-hmm. And I didn't watch a trailer or anything. I was like, I know I've seen this movie a dozen times. I'm just going to sit down and watch it. And like the flood of memories mm. that washed over me when I, when it started, I was like, oh, I remember every element of this movie. Yep. Like I the could scene, have recited it. Totally. The scene where she is at school and she's eating lunch and she has a burger and fries mm-hmm. and she opens up her burger and she puts the fries in her sandwich and covers it in ketchup like an animal yes that like unlocked like a 20 year old (laughs) trauma within me I was like I have to look away from this and there's this like boy sitting a couple tables over watching her with a look of disgust yeah maybe because women aren't supposed to eat I don't know what but I have to say it is pretty disgusting it's gross it's like why'd they have to make her gross I I also that scene has been burned into my mind for 20 years yeah and I even just watching it again I was like why is she doing this why does she then take the burger that is now filled overfilled with fries and ketchup in the palm bare palm of her hand and run off to work instead of holding it in the wrapper in the wrapper and she leaves all her garbage on the table and she's drinking a mess right (laughs) she's a mess i noticed there's a lot of like physical comedy like that in this movie Mm -hmm. like the ketchup burger the Mm -hmm. um uh, a little bit later on, she's going for a run with Jane and she's so sweaty. <laughs> she's dripping sweat. Yeah. The This poor woman. Okay, so I did a little research about her. She is not LDS as far as no, I can she tell. Has she has no background actor. in the church. She's yeah. a legit actress. She's she's um, most known for replacing Julia Stiles in the Prince and Me movies. Yes. So- Look out. Icon. She also did a cameo in Catch Me If You Can, which I just watched on a plane this week and was like, wait, is that Elizabeth Bennett? Wow. Crossover. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, they did her so dirty. Yeah. This movie, the way they make her sweat on that run. And it's like, it's been five minutes. She's been standing there watching them play tennis. She still has sweat dripping, dripping. from the ends of her hair. Yeah. It's disgusting. And then later yeah. in the movie, she gets stranded in the rain. <laughs> um, again, just completely drenched. And then um, gets dried up, takes a shower, does her hair, changes her clothes, 
goes back out in the rain and is immediately <laughs> and soaked. she just stands there just too. stands there red nose dripping like i've never seen anybody yeah it's way <laughs> over the top it's intentional it's like an angle they're going for it's yeah. insane and it's all yeah. throughout yeah <laughs> i know i don't even know and what it's to say so, about it it's i don't just say so about strange. it either. And it's, it's funny too, because like she's, and she's a beautiful woman, yeah but she's so like, they make her kind of disgusting and mm-hmm. drenched and whatever. And Darcy is unfortunately a 10, a 10 curly yeah. hair, the thickest eyebrows you've ever seen. Yeah. His little face. And <laughs> he has, this is one thing I thought this time he has a little Daniel Radcliffe thing going yes. like adult Daniel Radcliffe. Yes, totally. Like Daniel Radcliffe, if Daniel Radcliffe was a 10. If Daniel was a 10. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I looked him up. I was looking at his Instagram, still a 10, 20 a years 10. later. I know. I yeah. looked him up too. I looked him up on Twitter. I read his his personal website. He's got a band. Yep. He's an artist. Um, Orlando Seal and Swell. I will yeah. be listening to some songs. <laughs> Enjoy. Um, <laughs> Yeah, there are some iconic lines. Clearly, we were young and our brains were still forming because these are core memories <laughs> that I have about this movie. Um, some things with him when they're ordering in the restaurant and she orders like chicken Oscar, but no crab, which why the why? Oscar is the whole the Oscar is the crab. I don't. <laughs> yeah. And then she's like, and instead of the potatoes, I'd like the noodles. The noodles. And then he says. I'll have the same with the noodles. <laughs> with the noodles, I know. And the you know, way it's he another says noodles. It burned into my brain. Yes. Another moment like that is later on. Jane and Elizabeth are. This is another physical comedy moment. They have both, I don't know, been put through the ringer. Jane's been left by Bingley. They're in depression mode mm-hmm. on the couch, asleep, laying in filth. Yeah filth garbage food scraps everywhere disgusting mm-hmm. they're so greasy they're so greasy. they make these beautiful women look so i don't know so depressed. it's bad no it's i mean bad. it has always stuck with me too and like in there there are plenty of movies where we have a character going through a tough time looking disheveled looking not quite themselves i have never seen a movie go so hard yeah as pride and prejudice a latter-day comedy they went these like women, quarter, yes you know they're these women are in a dire situation they, need they should get an award for their commitment to their craft seriously because they look bad my point was there's a line they're laying on the couch together and jane <laughs> I know exactly the line you're going to say, Katie. Who I should add, they make her Argentinian for some reason. In a problematic way. A little bit. She uh, like smells herself under the blanket and she goes, Elizabeth, I think we stink. stink. Yep. (laughs) Burn into my soul. I think we stink. For almost 20 years. Yeah. I think we used to probably say that every day. I think we probably did too. Yeah. But then they go to the grocery store. To try to, I don't know, go get back to normal. And they just get berated by Kitty and Lydia about how fat they've gotten. Yes. Over the course uh, of maybe a week. I know. 
when like and and they specifically call out elizabeth like i don't know how you're going to show yourself in a swimsuit when elizabeth is super thin Mm -hmm. honestly thinner than jane so why is she being called out it's just bizarre it's but that is so early 2000s fat phobia yeah it's like when they said jessica simpson got fat and she was like a size eight right (laughs) yeah i think they just really wanted to do a a workout montage yeah they needed it which they sure did and that montage also i mean i could sing you that song we're going (laughs) all the way (laughs) 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 yep that Uh, that song it's in there and um not only does she work out and throw away the snacks she also reads her book of mormon mm. while wearing silk pajamas (laughs) and she teaches a relief society lesson about lust versus love Hmm, i don't remember that watch that montage again katie wow it's in there yikes right again uh you edited out the mormon stuff but not really yeah yeah it's like not enough but if they had taken any more then there would be like no content yeah you know yeah they'd have to completely cut out the character of collins yeah he's way too mormon and jack doesn't make any sense as a character outside of the context of mormonism Right. So we should explain. If you've never seen this movie, Jack Wickham is the villain and he um <clears throat> is pretty much constantly trying to convince these young Mormon women to go to Vegas and get married so they can have sex. And then apparently annulling the wedding. Mm-hmm. But we find out that he he's actually already married. So he's like wanted for bigamy because he keeps marrying people so he can have sex with them mm-hmm. and that is <clears throat> a very mormon thing because mormons won't have sex before marriage and it's better somehow to have like a quickie vegas marriage and then a quick divorce mm-hmm. than to just have sex yeah i was gonna say do people do that i've never known anyone who's done it but the stories are everywhere. When I was yeah. at BYU, that was just like a common tale. Okay. Was, that people were doing that. Yeah. I can't confirm it. I've never known someone who's done it. But it's talked about as if it is just common knowledge. Okay. Yeah. That's great. Isn't it great? Really nice, guys. Yeesh. I, there was another line. Okay. There was another line that was seared into my brain. They're at the store and they're looking at ice cream. Mm-hmm. You know chalk, chalk, chocolate chunk. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Booba's big belly batter brick. Kudos to the writers. They mm-hmm. and the actors, because it's more about the delivery than anything. Her delivery was always really, really good. Delivery. Jane was really funny. Yeah. Um, oh, the amount of midriff that Mm -hmm. miss elizabeth bennett is rocking throughout is not realistic mormon no wardrobe no um another thing about her high neck she wears a neck that's up to here but then her Mm -hmm. belly's showing yeah you'd never get away with that 
not at BYU. Some BYU professors would just straight up send you home. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing about the character of Elizabeth that is a pretty confusing choice is they make her 26. Mm-hmm. And it comes up over and over through the movie. Yeah. She's an undergrad. Right. And she's 26. We have no like sense of why she would be like a non-traditional age undergrad. Mm-hmm. So it just feels like a mistake. Yeah. Um, and there's no graduation in sight because she's just accepted a job as a TA in London. Right. So I like, know. why is she still an undergrad? It's just a little confusing. Yeah, there's And no- I think they're trying to be like, oh, she's <clears throat> way past her prime. You know, she's a 26-year-old living in Provo. And I was a 26-year-old living in Provo when I was in grad school. And I know that you are, you know, you get some sidelong glances. Like, what are you still doing here? Mm-hmm. Unmarried. Right. Like, what's your plan? But she also could have been 23 and she yeah. wouldn't have been getting the glances, but she could have felt that way. And she would have still been getting pressured to get married. I mean, right. I remember being 18 at BYU I remember being 18 and I was sitting in a devotional with this guy I was sort of dating and um, we ran into our cousin at this devotional who was just a couple of years older than me. And he was like, so are you two like getting close to marriage? And we were both like, we're 18. And he was like, well, when it's right, it's right. Okay freak yikes so <laughs> i don't think they needed to make her 26 to still get that point across like in provo no. when you're 21 people are starting to be like oh you're the older woman in the crowd right and like even just beside that sort of societal pressure it's also just like an expectation in order for you to like make steps in your life like i was out of the church and i still got married at 20 because mm-hmm. i kind of had to in order mm-hmm. to get out and yeah that being said still married happily married but yeah yeah it all worked out skin of my teeth you know (laughs) come on don't get married when you're 20 that's crazy no yeah that's a that is one thing that's very mormon that they do keep in is that at the end of the movie she's in london teeing for study abroad and we know that at at the very end, she's just about, she's like days from leaving. So the timeline of the movie is relatively compact. It's only been a couple of months. They show Darcy is visiting her in London and she's wearing an engagement ring. And they hadn't even been dating when she left. Yeah. So they basically didn't date at all, got engaged. When it's right, it's right. And I remember like, when that movie came out and I'm in deep in BYU culture and he's like, do you think you could love me? I'm in love with you when they haven't even ever really spent much time together one-on-one at all. Mm -hmm. I didn't really think twice about that. I feel like dating culture BYU is so weird that like people were talking about love who had no business talking about (laughs) love with each other. Yeah. Um, but now in retrospect, I watched that and was just like, what on earth? Yeah. Major but red flag. Again, I guess that's kind of relatively similar to Regency culture. Yeah. I mean, Darcy was professing love out of the blue. Right. 
it's just Darcy being Darcy. Yeah. Yeah. But the fact that that's where BYU still is. Yeah. Yikes. Yikes. I know. Take it easy, kids. Take it easy, kids. Just go for some ice cream. Yes. Have a little froyo and date for at least a year. Oh, gosh. At a couple. Yeah. Yeah. Depending on how young you are. As an adult. Just there is no rush. Yeah. If you're going to marry a man that's under. 25 just know you're marrying a teenager and like your brains are not fully formed yet no you need to know that you're gonna you're gonna wake up one day and be different people this has become a psa for child brides in mormon culture and i'm okay with that 100 i don't you know it i can attest my husband would say the same thing yeah Whenever we meet young people who are talking about getting married, we're always like, uh, must you? Yeah. You know, did you feel like you, here we go. We're just talking about, you now. did you <laughs> feel like you had to get married at 20 because moving in with Luke unmarried was just not even an option? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that was just kind of like the direction my life was going in. And yeah, I didn't want to do something else. We had been dating for like four years, mm-hmm. you know, it would, it would have been normal for us to move in together had we not been Mormon. You yeah. Know? I, I vaguely remember us having a conversation about it at one point and you saying, you know, even though you were out of the church, you couldn't shake the voice in your head that was like, no, no, living together before marriage is wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And it was just like, that just would not have been acceptable to our parents. So no. I mean, fast forward, how many years have you been married? Almost 10. Almost 10 years. So like nine years, I moved in uh, with my boyfriend. Yeah. And my now husband, and I was the first of our siblings who had done that because even though you and our brother had left the church young, you had both gotten married really young. Yeah. And it was kind of like the last frontier of like ways to disappoint mom and dad. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, I'm going to move in with somebody. Mm -hmm. And it was really difficult for me to tell them, even as like, I was in my 30s you know it's still it was hard it was it was a hard bridge to cross I'm sure and then they just don't even throw you a bone you know you just didn't even really talk about it no okay yeah there was a profound um lack of curiosity about (laughs) yeah it's too bad um although the real kicker was that mom said don't worry we still know you're a good person and I was like oh thanks I I wasn't worried (laughs) anyway this is all to say this like marriage messaging is freaking powerful oh yeah it sticks with you yeah and I do think the movie captures that Mm -hmm. yeah it captures a time it captures a culture Mm mm-hmm yeah. Like mid thirties or not mid thirties. I, I mean, that actor could have been in her mid thirties, but mid twenties, Mormon, disgusting. Mm-hmm. In Provo specifically. Yeah. Where there's just a kind of pressure that 
is palpable. Yeah. Um, I want to say too, real quick, just a little side note. I know multiple people who are extras in this movie, which I had totally forgotten, <laughs> but that scene where, um, Collins is talking about Elizabeth and she like imagines throwing the hymn book at him. It cuts mm. to multiple people I knew. So like, I was just really in the thick of it. And I was like, wow, what wow. a time. I just feel like connected to this movie even though it's not very good Mm -hmm. uh I just kind of love it I have a soft spot for it I get it you were uh you were a part of it you were it was the good old days you didn't know it was the good old days it's in our bones obviously Mm -hmm. oh yeah it's in my DNA Mm -hmm. yeah just watching that movie I was feeling a buzz yes throughout my body so basically watch it it's streaming for free on Peacock if you have a Peacock subscription mm-hmm. or you can rent it on or Prime. Amazon Prime. It was free. It is so weird. Yeah, it's really weird. And you need to go into it with that understanding. Mm-hmm. But I'm sort of curious if anybody watches it and has thoughts, you should mm-hmm. totally email them to us. Yeah. At pleaseblesspod at gmail.com because I just want to know. I just want to know what people experience when they watch this. Yeah, what was everybody's take on the Mormon Renaissance? What movie should we watch next? Should we watch them in order? You know? Are there any we absolutely have to get to? Yeah. I mean, there are several that I want to watch. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, And, like, The Other Side of Heaven. Should we watch both of them and do a mega episode about both of them? I didn't even know there was a part two, but there's a part two. Yeah. yeah. So tell us what you think. We'll do whatever you say. Yeah. <laughs> we will do whatever you say. Always. Always. Um, that's the podcast. Yeah. Please bless. Please bless. Amen. A- Amen. Thank you. <laughs>